Welcome to Therapy with Millennials, a podcast where we take our late night talks, aka our own therapy sessions, and put them on record for you to hear. We take a looser definition of therapy, so if you need to seek professional help, please do so. Our main goal is that in sharing our stories, you will relieve some of your tension and you will relate to us. So join us on this journey. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find us and join this listenership. And it helps us know how to get better. So please talk back to us. Hello and welcome to Therapy with Millennials. I'm one of your hosts, Malia, and I'm joined by one of my best friends, Brittany Payne. How are you doing, Brittany? I'm doing great, Malia. And let me tell you, I am super excited for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we're talking all about type twos. Who is super excited outside of me and Brittany? Let's hear you in the back. (laughs) Hopefully our guest. (laughs) Hopefully our guest, you know? So you're getting two for the price of one because I'm a type two and our guest is a type two. Yes. And we wing differently. So I'm very curious how she feels about some of the questions we're going to ask later. So type twos are called the helper. We kind of talked a little bit about this in our intro episode, but we talked about wings and type twos can wing one or they can wing three. We're pretty sure our friend wings one, which is called the servant. And then we're pretty sure that I wing three, which is called the host or hostess. And one of our basic desires is to feel loved and wanted. And our basic fear is to not feel unwanted or unloved. Also, our friend is an INFJ. And I found this really interesting that uh, INFJs are called the advocate by some. It's said to be the rarest type of all of them with Myers-Briggs. They leave a mark on the world. They have a deep sense of idealism and integrity. They aren't necessarily ideal dreamers, but they are concrete step dreamers and believe in getting their goals done and leaving a lasting impact. And this is the part that I thought reminded me a lot of our two that we're going to be interviewing is they speak with great passion and conviction, especially when standing up for their ideals. At other times, they are very soft-spoken and understated and prefer to keep the peace rather than challenge others, which reminds me so much of our two when she was in school versus how we experienced her. Everyone would tell us, she's so quiet. She's so nice and quiet. And we're like, who? LJ? <laughs> right. So guys, you are finally going to meet the LJ that we have been discussing on the pod. <laughs> Welcome, Lauren, to the podcast. How you doing, Lauren? Hello. Lauren, will you, you give everyone kind of a basic introduction? We've only referred to you as LJ, I believe, unless we've slipped up um, in our podcast. So if you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself as much as you're willing to say. What can I say? I'm an open book. So my name is Lauren. I am an attorney here in Montgomery, Alabama, going on two years as a licensed attorney, which seems like forever and also seems like I know nothing. So hooray. No, I went to a lot of school before that. And then before that, I lived in Mobile. Are you an only child? No, I have a wonderful younger sister. Uh, We fight a lot, but we love each other a lot. So, you know. (laughs) Usual sister relationship. Okay, so you heard Malia kind of discuss the type 2 Enneagram and the MBTI. First, I want to know, like, your history with it. Do you use it at all? Have you used it? Do you find significance in it? Or, you know, it's just something you hear about from me and Malia. Well, that's a super open-ended question. So I think 
Well, for me personally, I can't say generalizations for everybody, but for me personally, I've known about the Myers-Briggs for a long time. When I was doing this college program, we did the Myers-Briggs test and took the, like, the official 100 whatever, whatever questions. So that's when, you know, I knew that my Myers-Briggs type was an INFJ. What does it mean to me? I think it's helpful just knowing kind of how you relate to the world and what makes you tick. I, th I mean, I think it's helpful for what makes you tick? What are your likes? What are your dislikes? What are your motivations? Why do you do the things you do? You know, how do you relate to other people? Being an introvert, you know, people might just think that means, oh, well, you're very shy. You don't like talking to other people, but that's not necessarily true. I love talking to people. Do I, am I great at just walking up to a random stranger and being like, hey, yo, what's up? No, of course not. But for me, the way that I relate to people is I get to know them on a personal, individual level. And I really enjoy deep relationships with others, getting to know them and know their life story and, you know, just being part of that journey. And that kind of hits the nail on the head for uh, when I was reading about INFJ, especially with relationships, when it talks about friendships, is that, you know, you want a deep relationship with someone. And that's what's going to get you talking. It says that you have a deep desire for authenticity and sincerity from your daily activities to your relationships. Do you find that to be like mostly true? Yep, pretty much. Okay, so I'm going to list off some strengths of INFJs and then we're going to go into the weaknesses and listen to the strengths and tell me maybe what rings the most to you or hits the most with you, which word like stands out the most. So some strengths for INFJ, they are creative, insightful, principled, passionate, and altruistic. I think two really stand out for me is mm -hmm. creative and altruistic. Why would you say those two stand out? Well, not to toot my own horn, but I am a fab fantastically creative person. Um, <laughs> exhibit A, go find my social media Facebook page and look at all my trunk or treat posts from years past. It's a lot of fun <laughs> to put together. It's a lot of craziness, but I just... She, guys, she is the mother goose of trunk or treat. <laughs> like, she she goes... She fangirls so hard on Halloween. Full force, For, the, for the children. She will start talking to people. Now do it for the children. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it is for the children. But for all of you Halloween lovers out there, if you want to come and be part of the best trunk or treat ever, hit me up. You can be part of my crew. We will have a great time. Anyway, I guess the reason the word altruistic means something to me is that that's really a, just um, a deep part of my personality is really caring about other people and figuring out ways that I can help other people or support them or, you know, be giving to them. I find it really interesting that those are the two that she picked. And you know how they always ask you questions or you always get these questions whenever personality things come up or job applications or something like that. They always ask, like, how do others see you? And that's always like the hardest part for me is to think about how others would see me. And so I think, well, maybe they just see me how I see me. But it's funny that you hit on creative and altruistic because when I read these, I thought principled and passionate were the two that stood out for me about you. 
Because for me, so I'll just read quickly. It says, people with the advocate personality type tend to have deeply held beliefs and their conviction often shines through when they speak or write about subjects that matter to them. Passionate, advocates can pursue their ideas with a single-mindedness that may catch others off guard. These personalities rarely settle for good enough and their willingness to disrupt the status quo may not please everyone. Right. When I, when I read those, I was like, that is Lauren to me. Like she has like these specific, you have like these specific few things that you are principled and passionate about and you won't hold back and you'll let others know. And not in a bad way. It's not like a forceful, like (laughs) you have to like believe the same way with me, but it is like a, it's a very, it's passionate. So those are the two that hit with me. I don't know what you think about that, but. It's interesting. I mean, I can see that, but. I don't know if we're just talking about the two that resonate most mm. with me. It's those two. creative and altruistic. Mm-hmm. But also for the listenership, if they're wondering where we're getting some of these definitions and nicknames for types, we are on 16 personalities for Myers-Briggs descriptions. And for Enneagram knowledge for today, we are using the Enneagram Institute website. Mm-hmm. They're both pretty good. They're both mostly free and they're a great starting point if you're really trying to get into your types and understanding yourself better, but you're not ready to spend that cold hard cash yet. <laughs> so give both websites a try. These are your basic, um, again, we don't go like super, super in depth, but as far as we can. Okay, so I want to move on to the Enneagram. Since you're familiar with the MBTI, I think maybe you're not as familiar with the Enneagram, right? Or you're just getting, you've just learned about it. Is that correct? I learned about the Enneagram semi-recently. Mm. Mostly through listening to your podcast, to be honest. <laughs> not as familiar with that one. Okay. So I'm going to, again, just read um, a brief description of Type 2. And then let me know what you think. Does it ring true to you? Are there some bits that you're like, heck no, techno, like nah. Or some places that are like, yes, that is so me. Twos are empathetic, sincere, and warm-hearted. They are friendly, generous, and self-sacrificing, but can also be sentimental, flattering, and people-pleasing. They are well-meaning and driven to be close to others, but can slip into doing things for others in order to be needed. They typically have problems with possessiveness and with acknowledging their own needs. At their best, they are unselfish and altruistic. They have unconditional love for others. Malia, you too, you can chime in since you're a two as well. But do you, did that hit with you or anything that's like, nah? I would definitely agree with the self-sacrificing. I was actually listening to a two podcasts before we were recording during work and the two made the statement, I don't think that people, and this was actually a guy too. I don't think people understand how much other people come into my mind on a regular moment by moment basis and how much I take into account whether what I'm doing for them matters. And I, I do, I feel that on a very deep level of even small stuff, like answering a text when I really don't want to or answering a phone call when I'm tired or just getting off work or even going to get someone food when I'd rather just go home and veg out on TV. There's a lot of thought about other people. We're very others focused as a, as a type generally. And I definitely feel that of moment by moment. I feel like I'm making sacrifices, even the small stuff feels like a sacrifice 
What about you, Lauren? What did you get from that description? So what really hits home with me is kind of the altruistic again. You know, just really thinking about other people and what are ways that I can be helpful to other people. You know, what are ways that I can be giving? And, you know, that's something that just brings me joy. You know, just thinking about the people in my life and thinking about things that I can do to be helpful to them. I will say, I will say to those listening, this is a hundred percent true as far as I'm concerned. Like Lauren is probably the most giving, caring person I know. Like we, we joke about it so much, but like, it's because it's true. She would, she's that person that would give you like her house if she, if you really needed it. Like if she had a home and you really needed it, she would probably give it to you. <laughs> like the thing is, is like with type twos, it says, when you're when you're healthy, this is how you you are. But when you when you start to become unhealthy and go towards a stress level, you can still be this altruistic, but you're putting on more of an image of it. It's something that you feel you still have to do, but now the motivation I think behind it is different. Have you ever felt those moments? Um, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head but the part that you read about you know when when twos go to the negative side they tend to people please and flatter become possessive those are traits that I have definitely seen in myself that I know that when I'm in my bad phase whatever I don't know how you call it but I do notice that you know sometimes I do tend to be possessive um, of other people, you know, especially some of my close friends and trying to, to realize that and to figure out, you know, some boundaries that I need to maybe put on myself mm-hmm. so that I'm not overstepping on anyone else. What do you think leads to that, you know, or do you know, like, why you feel that, that possessiveness sometimes? I think for me, it's, it stems from a desire to be close to people and a desire to just be around and communication with the people that I love and that Mm -hmm. I'm close to I don't know there with them or around Mm -hmm. them and you know not realizing like hey if I'm texting the same person every single day they have a life they don't really want to respond to my text messages (laughs) every single day I can understand though even as a seven like I get this possessiveness as well you and I, I think I think we have that in common mine stems I think from my so your your basic desire according to the Enneagram and it's similar to what you just said is to feel loved and so I think both you and I maybe feel loved when we're in communication with others when we're with others Um, (laughs) when we're in communication or with others you know and so when I'm not I can become kind of possessive or you know wanting their time when they're not giving me giving me their time i definitely i can agree with that i'm curious for you if someone were to ask you would you rather have quality or quantity time what would you say my gut response is quality time for me i would rather have the time that i'm spending with others be something that's special and something that matters versus be seeing them a lot more often but it's more superficial and i don't mean superficial in a bad way but just it's not as deep it's not as whatever so for me having that deep meaningful relationship makes me desire quality time more Brittany would you agree or would you want more quantity 
I think initially I would say quantity time actually, which is really weird. But recently I think more quality time. But the quantity time stems from the fear of missing out. I want to like be involved in everything. But now as I'm starting to realize that and become more self-aware, then I'm starting to realize, okay, I need the quality time. That's what's going to be healthy for me versus, oh, you know, she's going to drive to the store today. Let me go with her. And I'm like, "Uh, I mean, you've got other things to be doing and maybe you won't have like an actual conversation on the way there. Maybe you'll just be sitting in the car, go get some groceries and come back, you know? So just trying to realize it's the quality time that I need. Your basic fear, it says to, we've talked a little bit about the basic desire, basically to be loved. The basic fear is of being unwanted and unworthy of being loved. Does that sound right to you or something similar? And what does that practically look like for you? Like how, how do you feel that? If that makes sense. So for me, I feel that more in a sense that I, I attract, I feel like I attract people fairly easily, but I really do struggle sometimes of wondering why my friends stay. And so for me, it's not necessarily that I think that I feel unloved. If I, if I truly felt unloved, I would just go find it. Whatever it was I was looking for, I would just go get it. But figuring out why my friends are my friends and why they stay sometimes is where I push on boundaries and understanding. I I don't even know if it's feeling wanted. I constantly ask the question of people who are close to me, when are they going to leave? Because I always feel like a lot. And so I I just always question, oh, is this the moment where they finally have had enough? Is this where they're finally going to be like, okay, our time is over, blah, 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 blah. Uh, That's more so what I think about. So I guess that kind of bleeds into unwanted. But mostly for me, it's betrayal. I always wonder when I'm going to be betrayed. And I wonder when people are going to leave is my thing. So sometimes I think that's why in unhealthy space, I really do push boundaries. And I'm just like, you know what? Today's that day. We're just going to see if this is the last straw. (laughs) And that's not good to be that way towards other people's boundaries. But it is that moment where I'm just like, you know what? If they're going to stay, then awesome. If not, this was the final straw and I was in control of the final straw. Do you ever worry that that's going to push everyone out of your life? I feel like I do that less so now. Mm. Now I'm in a point where I'm okay. I'm learning to be okay with no, even if it's a disappointment. I think I've been saying yes to things so often and for so much that when I say no, I offend a lot of people or I disrupt or I upset people. I've really been having these conversations with my roommate now of, you know, it's okay to say no just because. Like, you don't have to have a reason for saying no. And learning to be okay with, okay, I'm not going to explain myself. I'm not going to use any reasoning. The answer is just no. And then, like, I, I, what I do is I say no, and then I quickly try to end the conversation. Because if someone keeps asking me, then I'm going to be less likely to say no again. <laughs> So I, I'm trying to learn how to say no effectively and just say no, not say, no, I'm going to be doing something. I'm going to be none of this fibbing, none of this crap, like just no, the answer is no. I really don't want to. It's nothing against you. I would love to be with you, but just no, I prefer not to. 
Okay, so Lauren, I'll ask you again. Your basic fear, it says, is of being unwanted or unworthy of being loved. Does that ring true to you? And if so, or if you change it up a little bit, what do you think your basic fear is? And how does that look? I would say that's probably accurate as far as, you know, my basic fear. I think that for me, the way that it manifests itself is I try to do things that are helpful to others. I try to feel needed by others so that, you know, I can, I can feel that sense of purpose and that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. So twos in stress go to eight. When they are stressed, they can become, it says dominating and aggressive. And then when you are in growth, you move towards four and like healthy fours you become more self-nurturing and emotionally aware malia i know you probably think you know a little bit more about the wings but what does stress look like for you at eight you become dominating and aggressive it says for me the bad side of eight so we kind of talked about this in the intro episode to Enneatype series but you can go to the low and high side of any number So your main number, our main numbers in this episode are twos. You can go to the high side or the low side of eight. The low side of eight for me is when I just blow up. And I'm like, well, you know what? I never liked you. I never liked your mom. I never liked your brother. (laughs) That's like the really bad side of eight (laughs) where I just like hate everything and everyone. I think the high side of eight is where I put that person under control. And I'm like, you know what? I would love to just blow up and get it off of my chest selfishly because I think others would, they would just say the things and then they would be sorry ish and they would apologize and they might not mean it. But I really do try to control that rage person and try to speak respectfully to whoever I'm talking to and be like, listen, I can't handle you today or I don't have capacity for you right now. Or I, I don't think that you're listening or you understand. So you don't get to be as high of a uh, quality or quantity person in my life right now. And it might not be necessarily saying that to that other person. It might just be an internal thing in me where I'm like, okay, this person who's been in your life for a long time gets less time. This person who's really nurturing you and nourishing you gets to be in your life more so. And you don't, might not need to say that to the person. You might not need to be like, you're exhausting. I don't want to be with you. Like that's low side of eight guys. That's real low side of eight. You just might need a break from someone or a break from your activities to get back to the high side of what you are, which is for us twos and really taking care of ourselves and saying yes and no based off of what we actually want to do and how we can actually be loving to our communities. Lauren, for you with eights, it's if you're in stress, you can go to eight and be dominating and aggressive. If you go to, if you're in growth, you can go towards four and be self-nurturing, emotionally aware. Do you feel like you've ever been either one of those? So more doesn't, again, like she was saying, doesn't have to be anything like super bad, but maybe more in control or more dominating in your conversations or with your friends. And then on the other side, fours, you become more like self-aware for yourself, self-nurturing for you instead of focusing solely on others all the time. So I'll give an example of something that happened to me recently. And I guess y'all can tell me since y'all are the experts, y'all can tell me whether it's four or eight or somewhere in between. 
So recently, I had to have an uncomfortable conversation with my dad, and let's not name names, you know, protect the guilty, but um, (laughs) I had to have an uncomfortable conversation with my dad about celebrating my birthday at the same time as my stepbrother's birthday. So, brief backstory, my parents got divorced when I was in college. It was really, really hard for me. I went to a lot of counseling for that. My dad got remarried, and I went to a lot of counseling for that, and by the grace of God, I have a working relationship with both my parents, but specifically my dad, and also my stepmom today. So it was it was just really hard for me to deal with all of that, and so once I started having a better relationship with my stepmom, my dad started to celebrate my birthday at the same time as one of my stepbrother's birthday, because they're the same month fairly close to each other. This birthday, I was a little sick and under the weather, and I was just really, really tired of having to celebrate my birthday with somebody else because I don't like to share, and I just didn't want to celebrate it with my stepbrother. I talked to my dad on the phone about this, and I explained to him, I was like, look, my birthday is my day for me. I don't want to share it, and it hurts my feelings whenever you have these joint celebrations with me and my stepbrother You know, that's time that I just want to be spending with my family. And, you know, I'm cool with you. I'm cool with my stepmom. But when we start bringing in the rest of her family, it's a lot of people. And I'm an introvert. And I don't really like being around a ton of people that I don't know really well. And my dad's response was, well, I I had no idea. I didn't know it hurt your feelings. I'm so sorry. You know, I won't do this in the future. And so the problem was I had let him do this for a couple of years before I said anything to him about it. And this birthday, I was just done putting up with it. I wasn't feeling the best. And I was like, you know what? We're not doing this again. So I don't really know four, eight, whatever. But I think, I think it will. I think initially it sounds like a little bit of both. And then I think from your motivation, it might be more towards an eight. But the way you handled it and the reason is like, you know, more of a self-nurturing kind of thing it's like it's not some selfish thing like I want this for my like this day for myself but it's also I do so much here and I can handle this much but I also need this for myself but then the eight part is telling him you know or you know finally deciding okay I'm a two I've told you or I've let you do this for so long like trying to be you know whatever and now understanding yeah now I'm going to Put some dominance in there and be like, I personally feel like it's a lot of eight, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like you went to different stages of eight. I feel like the not saying anything was low side of eight, where you were just kind of brooding and, and getting stirred up. And then finally, when you said something, to me, that's high side of eight, because that's where you get the courage to say something about it. And you were very respectful. Like, in, in hindsight now, like, that could have been a really intense situation with a lot of tears a lot of you know name calling a lot of frustration you know falling not behind but getting into some pre-therapy like mindsets maybe and I feel like you really used the tools that you had in your toolbox to really deal with that aggravating situation really well so I feel like that was all eight it was just different levels of eight so I feel like the first couple years when you didn't say anything low side of eight when you finally said something, high side of eight. And that's something that teachers will t- t- tell you later on when you start learning more about yourself is that 
your stress number and your good number, I mean, your stress number and your growth number are both there to help you because if she was just trying to be self-caring, she could have been too aggressive towards her dad. And then if she was only aggressive and not nurturing to herself, then she could have just been low side of eight and just like intense too too much you know all that stuff so i feel like it was all in eight but it was effective eight so low side high side and that was a really good example we have some like situational questions i did want to go over the wings a little bit because we've talked about so the enneagram two with a one wing is called the servant if you're an enneagram two with a one wing malia you can correct me if i'm like way off but ones tend to be more um, perfectionists and wants ones are the perfectionists they have the actual ones have more of the inner critic that they have mm-hmm. all their life they are very critical of themselves so they tend to be very critical of the world they strive for balance in their lives and they want balance for others but we go against the grain of their wishes oftentimes <laughs> unintentionally. So, and again, like we've mentioned before an Enneagram, like, or in your type, when you wing another type, it does. And just like when you go to stress or growth in another type, doesn't mean that you become that type. It's just that you take on certain qualities of that type. So um, Malia thinks that she is an Enneagram two wing three. And what does that look like? Threes. So threes are the achiever. They are very intense. They are very driven. They like to go after the gold is a a quote that I saw for threes. They also are nicknamed the chameleon. And that is because they kind of shape shift depending on what's needed of them. And it can make others who are experiencing them feel like they are not authentic. But threes oftentimes feel like they are just keeping the balance of whatever room they're in and so i I definitely relate to that of never really feeling like i'm trying to to lie to anyone about who i am but just noticing a shift in when i go into a room i know what the temperature is and if it's not right i'll try to be whatever the temperature is lacking and so that's that's where i really see my three kind of showing up i also see my three when new experiences come my way and there's that initial like a couple seconds where I'm like, oh, can I do this? And then my three kicks in my wing and I'm like, oh yeah, there's nothing you can't do. <laughs> like, let's go after it. Let's, let's take it on. And so for me, there's a lot of intensity that sometimes I have to really figure out, okay, is this my wing three that's trying to advocate and go for me? Or is this my eight that's trying to take over and make me make bad choices sometimes? So I feel like with three, you really do have to be careful that you, you notice the difference between three and eight. Lauren, those two, I know, I don't know if you know much about the wings, but if you hear about a one or a three, do you feel like you relate to either one of those at all? I think that, you know, just kind of hearing the examples of the wings, like the hostess or the servant, the servant. Yeah, I can relate to both of those. Um, I really do enjoy serving other people, but you know, if there's like a group of friends who I know getting together, I'm also totally fine playing the hostess. Mm-hmm. Also, please just note that Malia is not supposed to be typing people, and yet she <laughs> tried to type me wrongly, might I add. Right. We've mentioned that before. She thought that Lauren was a type one. <laughs> uh-huh, I did. 
Um, yeah, so, and you can also use both wings, I believe. I'm in that, that fact, that, in that theory that you can, uh, go to both wings. So I think that's totally, um, an option. Lastly, I have some situation questions that I've asked every, um, person. And then we have some fill in the blank questions, kind of. And then, uh, Malia has questions after that. So, do you ever take days off? And if you do take a day off, what does that day off look like? I feel like I need to preface this with I plead the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) So some of my recent days off have actually been pretty lazy, to be honest. Um, I just didn't really have the energy to think about all the stuff going on in life, all the stuff that I need to deal with. So I avoided it (laughs) and I did nothing productive on those days. What does your usual day off look like? I think a usual day where I'm not trying to avoid life. I think those days look more like still having my list of things to get done that I need to get done, but also making time to just rest and just chill and have that time to myself to just have a brain break. All right. You are at a restaurant. You have ordered your dinner. Let's just say you ordered a burger and some fries. They bring out your burger, and it's got broccoli instead of fries. What do you do? First, I look at Malia because she's smirking. Then, <laughs> I think I would just say something to the waiter and be like, hey, I ordered this, and you brought me this. Can you just bring me the correct thing? Hmm. Um, next situation. You have developed a workout plan with your best friend. You're going to work out, and you're going to eat right, too. Like It's a workout diet plan. You're helping each other out. You're doing great. It's going well. Then you find out that your friend cheated a little bit. How do you feel? Well, let's just say I'm 50 shades of super not happy. (laughs) Uh, Definitely, I'm picturing one of my close friends in my head, like when I answer this and thinking about how how I would respond to her. So there would definitely probably be a confrontation and may or may not slip some um, healthy like food into her her i don't know fridge or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> there would definitely be a confrontation though okay i would not be happy and she would definitely know that i was not happy <laughs> okay now time for our fill in the blank questions i love it when my voice is super high when i sing <laughs> <laughs> sorry like i've been under the weather lately and honestly hearing me try to screech out high notes in my car is the most pathetic thing and it makes me really sad <laughs> That's where my answer came from. (laughs) I love it. Lauren's a great singer, guys, by the way. So we love her high notes as well. (laughs) Um, Okay. I hate it when. Probably, I guess, when people lie to me. Well, thank you, Lauren, so much for joining us on the podcast. So excited. Now we just need to get CS on here and we can no longer have arguments with each other about this podcast. (laughs) Actually, there will probably be many arguments about this podcast. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, But thank you for joining us and thank you for giving an insight on your personality and where your motivations come from. I really enjoyed it because I think we can see just from talking with you and Malia that though you type as Enneagram 2, you're both different in your ways. And it's the same, like your MBTIs are different, but your Enneagram type is the same. You're both different still. And I think that's really important to show too. So thank you. 
thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. <laughs> also, just <laughs> FYI for all the Halloween lovers out there listening, Jurassic Park 2021 Trunk or Treat will be amazing. <laughs> well you heard it here guys trunk or treat 2021 thank you guys for listening thank you for tuning in every friday or every monday or whatever day you tune in thank you for listening keep listening keep sharing keep coming back all right we love you guys thank you for showing up and go show lauren some love on the socials we'll see talk to you next time take care bye guys bye Thank you for listening to Therapy with Millennials. To keep up to date on our episodes, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Come follow us on Instagram at Therapy with Millennials or Twitter at T with Millennial, no S. Have any suggestions for the show or want to get in contact with us? Email us at twithmillennials at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you.